My sound waves are quite big. Yeah, mine too. Welcome to this episode of Tropology. I'm Alan and I'm here with the ever oracular Adam. I'm so excited for this episode, Al. As am I. We're going to be talking about why we originally started to travel. What got us on that first plane and out into the world. Yeah, the moments that we can remember. Was there a specific moment for you that changed everything? There was a sustained moment for me. The reason why I originally went travelling was, to be quite frank, because of a prolonged state of melancholy that I was experiencing at the time. Go on. Well, melancholy was the catalyst to me getting on that flight at the age of 21. That's so young. You don't often hear about people going travelling that young. I do know that there are lots of young sort of 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds who go backpacking. But for the most part, it just turns into a big piss-up, doesn't it? And I think that for some people, that's a really valid thing in the sense that they've been working hard at university, they need some time to detox, detox in the uh, academically detox sense, because obviously they are (laughs) toxifying themselves with a litany of alcoholic beverages. But I think, you know, we would call that a gap year, maybe. A gap year. Oh, how do you feel about that? I'm not a big fan of the concept of a gap year, but I understand its position in culture as an academic detox for people, either before or after a university experience. But for me, travel represented something entirely different. Because for me, I was in this melancholy environment in my last year of university. I realised that I wasn't passionate about my degree. I did an English degree. And I felt like I needed something to rip me from that environment and act as this transformative spark to turn me from what I was at university, someone who was just going through the motions, getting a degree, into someone that I actually wanted to be for the rest of my life. Wow. Did And um, were you at university because you wanted to go to university? Or... Like so many other people, I was at university because I fell headfirst into that environment. I just got decent grades, didn't know what to do, and just ended up there. You know, you followed the crowd. Well, absolutely. Well, I was a kid, right? Like I was 18 years old when I decided to go to university, and it just seemed like that's what everyone was doing. I didn't know what else to do. I mean, that is the conventional pathway, isn't it? Absolutely. That's what so many people do. That's what, or, or it was that or get a job and I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I didn't, I couldn't get a job. I think you're also a critical thinker. So before leaving, so before leaving to go traveling, how much thought did you give it or was it impulsive? I knew I needed to do something to allow myself to be happy. And I knew that thing needed to be monumental. Yeah, because your first trip to China, I mean, that is a world away. Exactly. And and all the information I had was that everything about where I was at in the UK, in that degree, even my mental state was just not 
optimized in any way. I knew I needed to do something monumental in order to deconstruct that life entirely and start a new one. And I was also aware that whoever I built during that time traveling was going to be who I was from there on out. So I needed it to be good. So you were conscious of your development whilst you were developing? I took that whole, I'm going traveling to find myself very seriously in one sense, but skeptically in another. I knew that if I went traveling to find myself, I wouldn't be there because ultimately I was already me. I knew I would get off the plane and I would be me still. I wouldn't find myself, but I needed to deconstruct and rebuild myself. That's what it was about for me. So as you thought about traveling when you were much younger than 21, can you remember a moment where you were inspired or intrigued to go traveling? Is it something that you were considered for yourself as a possible uh, sort of thing to do when you had grown up, in inverted commas? I'd just finished my first year of university and a friend messaged me, a friend from back home, and said, hey, what are you doing in, for your summer holiday? Let's go on a bus tour of Europe. And say what you like about bus tours. They're a very restricted way of traveling and seeing the world. But that bus tour was full of Australian people and their enjoyment of traveling to Europe and seeing a different place because they're from a very isolated continent. So they were traveling a long way to see Europe and their experience of that was so infectious. I just thought, well, travel's the best thing ever. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed going on that bus tour and seeing Europe for myself, but experiencing Europe through the eyes of people from an entirely different continent was so enlivening to me. I thought, wow, I want to do this with every continent on earth. Do you think it's fair to say that experiences you have as an individual growing up, no matter how big or small, could manifest themselves into one going traveling for a long time? I think that depends on what travel is for you. I think that people who cultivate at a young age a natural curiosity will always have an inclination towards travel. Because for me, travel is perhaps the pinnacle of curiosity. It's the absolute imperative end result of heightened curiosity. It's, okay, I'm going to search and find the things I'm curious about out in the world. It's so interesting you say that because one of the best pieces of advice I was ever given on my travels was the words, stay curious. I love that because I also think that travel is the overarching banner with which you can experience all your other interests. So I, for example, am partial to music. I'm partial to science. I like studying kind of world religions and those things. And all of those interests have been absolutely catered to by travel. I've seen some of the best music I've ever seen live traveling. I've been able to go and see, you know, fossils and the most beautiful museums in the world whilst traveling. You can cater to all your other interests that you're curious about through the medium of travel. Isn't that marvelous? Yeah, it's it's one of those things like you don't know what you don't know. And we're only told a finite amount of information growing up whether it's through mainstream media or television programs, documentaries, you know, some people, all they know is fed to them through the television. Yeah, that's, that's true enough, isn't it? And it's a scary thought. It is frightening. 
So tell me, you've talked a little bit about what lit the proverbial touch paper for you in terms of why you wanted to go traveling. But were there early experiences for you? Was travel something that you aspired to well prior to that? Or was it something that you stumbled across as something that you think, this might be it for me? I remember from a very young age, uh, probably around 10, 12, something like that, I used to question my parents as to why we didn't live in the places that we went on holiday. And, you know, I'm young. I didn't have any concept of earning money or, you know, financial commitments, a mortgage or job or anything like that. You know, I wasn't computing those. All I knew as a young, innocent child was that we would take two or three weeks off in the summer and we'd go somewhere where we had an amazing time. And my parents seemingly loved it. My sister and I had an amazing time. So I remember thinking, why do we spend a very small amount of time somewhere we love and then the majority of our time somewhere that's just normal or it's not that exciting? It's not challenging. You've just evoked a memory from my from the deep recesses of my mind. I watched an advert on the TV once when I was a kid and it was like, it was talking about tourism and it was like, see culture, see beautiful landscapes, see, and it's a be a tourist. And I went into the study, like the office that my mum was in, and went, Mum, do you think maybe we could be tourists? Like, <laughs> I thought it was something that you could just be. And my mum was like, well, we, we are tourists whenever we go away. And I was, I was like, wow, I've been a tourist. It seems like something, it's so interesting. To, to be a tourist seemed like something so sexy to me. Yeah, very sort of grandiose and put up on a pedestal. A mind-blowing thing to aspire to, to, to my childlike eyes. We are incredibly lucky that we can be tourists almost everywhere in the world. But you've also spoke truth about the fact that you kind of try and avoid being a tourist. I think traveller is one step above tourist, isn't it? Yeah, it's a mindset. I think you can, even when we go to places for a very short time, we still are in the traveller mindset. We try and blend in. I always think when people talk about, you know, oh, if you could live forever, would you? I think I would just so I could live in every single country in the world. I would love to have a thousand lifetimes so I could live in all these different countries. I just think you can have such a completely different experience as a citizen of everywhere. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, it's completely different, especially in Europe. There's so much diversity. You go down the road and it's like a different world. So we've established that there was perhaps some early experiences that we had that evoked this intrepid nomadic perspective that we later cultivated as we grew up into young adults. What I want to talk a little bit more about, Adam, if I may, is travel as a self-medicative process that we may be applied to our own lives. Because as I said, I was feeling melancholy about my situation in life. I wasn't excited about what I was doing. And I chose travel as this way of deconstructing my sense of self and rebuilding it into something which I found more fulfilling. I think that was a type of self-medication as kind of treatment for what was turning into a sort of debilitating depression. Terrible way to bring the mood down on the podcast, but I do think it is very important because a lot of the people who I've met who seem to get addicted to travel in that way are doing it because it gives them a feeling which makes them feel better. 
And that's what it does for me. That thing that I created by going traveling and staying traveling and keeping on traveling, that's the reason I'm happy today. Does that feeling of happiness subside when you're in one place for a long time? Do you often use nostalgia to increase your level of happiness? I think that the longer I'm in a place, that beautiful sense of novelty, which I associate with happiness, starts to dwindle and diminish like a candle getting to the bottom of its wax. (laughs) So you've got to be on the move fairly frequently then. I think I'm my happiest when I'm on the move fairly frequently. And there are other things that check those boxes as well. I like to feel connected to nature. A lot of the travel that I do takes place in quite rural or natural environments. I'm fairly extroverted. So the more I'm with people in like hostels and things, I feel happier in those environments. Travel ticks a lot of different happiness boxes for me. And Novelty is one of those. I like seeing, doing, and being in new places. So when I embarked on a on a trip and I thought about living in other countries and um, being surrounded by different cultures and different people, it was because I knew that I was almost stunting my growth, my development as a person. I love what you said so much. I think travel is just an exercise in perpetually being a novice. Because if you're born in Leeds or London or Manchester or Birmingham, you become an expert in that city over the course of your life. And there are benefits and positives to being an expert in the place that you're at. You have real structure and you know people really well and you can trust people or figure out who you can't trust and you have stability and all those things. You're an expert. But to be a perpetual novice is to be constantly striving to better yourself, is to be uncomfortable, but just on the edge of discomfort where anything could happen. You could learn a new skill. You could meet a new person. Endless possibilities come from being in a new place. Yeah, I think being challenged on a daily basis or, you know, you live somewhere for a longer time and you become used to it. But again, it's about always being excited. It's about having that constant buzz and to be stimulated all the time. I think there are going to be people listening to this that think, oh, well, these guys are just addicted to travel. You know, what's the difference between being addicted to travel and being addicted to anything? They're obviously getting their dopamine fix from travel at the expense of everything else positive in their lives. (laughs) Yes. At the expense of security, stability, family, friendships, all those things. They're giving up all those things to pursue this one thing that they're obviously addicted to. What are your thoughts on that? Well, if it's any consolation to the listener, we're now addicted to podcasting as well. (laughs) (laughs) We've got addictive personalities. We've recorded 16 podcasts this week. (laughs) That tells you how many have been axed. This is only episode three. Yeah. My landlord, bless them, they haven't been able to put the air conditioning on. (laughs) (laughs) Because the air conditioning makes noise, not because Adam's a diva and he's like, I will not podcast in freezing cold conditions. (laughs) (laughs) I think we probably are addicted to travel, but I don't think it's to the detriment of our own or anyone else's lives. And I think, we, I think we're in it for the right reasons. I think we're doing it for the right reasons. And you do have to put a lot on the line. We are very fortunate that we're able to travel the way we are, but we are also making huge sacrifices. When it comes to a career, any sort of longevity, our personal finances, relationships, all this kind of thing, it's, we're putting it all on the line to do something we love. What's the difference between a sacrifice and a detriment, though? Because there's people that will hear you say, 
it's not to the detriment of this, but we are making a sacrifice and putting it on the line. What's the difference between a sacrifice and a detriment? We're not negatively impacting anyone else's lives. And I wouldn't say we're negatively impacting our own lives. I think, when, But it's a trade-off. It's a trade-off. You've got to make a decision. It's very difficult for us to build certain relationships or have long and prosperous careers, perhaps in the same business, the same company, the same job role. But then we're striding forward in other areas, and we've deemed these areas more important to us. That's so right. And isn't everything in life ultimately a trade-off? Because the only difference between the trade-off the travellers make and the trade-off anyone sitting at a desk is making is that we've sat at those desks, so we know what the trade-off alternative is. But I think there's so many people now who would make exceptional travellers, who would love it and want to do it forever, but right now they haven't made that trade-off, but they don't know what's on the other side of the coin. And I think living a comfortable life has got its own merits, but we're not looking for that. We're looking for discomfort. We're searching perpetually for things that challenge us, for things that will help us grow, for things that will allow us to discover. I think that in a world where travel as a as a vague concept is commodified and sexualized and Instagramified to a point of being completely irrecognizable from the actual activity of traveling. I think it becomes something that everyone thinks that they want to do. But thinking you want to travel and actually pursuing travel above all else are two entirely different things, aren't they? Yeah, they're very different, very different indeed. But I remember when I was working in my job, you know, I was in my early 20s and I'd been on a few holidays recently in the last couple of years and I'd really started to gravitate towards and connect with people from mainland Europe. And I remember feeling very distinctly that the people from mainland Europe, so let's say we were at a bar or at the beach or whatever and we were in a group, there were people from Russia, people from the Netherlands, people from Spain, and I really felt like they all had a connection amongst themselves and I felt like an outsider. I felt like they had the same sense of humour, they had lived similar experiences and I really wanted to be part of their group. I really wanted to, to be able to connect with them on the same level that I felt they connected with each other. And I think that's maybe what lit the blue touch paper and got me thinking about travelling and I just wanted to, to have other experiences because they had all had other experiences. Some of them had studied in other countries, etc, cetera, etc, cetera, worked, had sort of internships in other countries as well. So anyway, I made the decision to fly to Russia. That was my first big trip was that I booked a one-way flight to St. Petersburg and I ended up traveling all the way to Hong Kong overland through winter on my own and it was an incredible trip. But when I quit my job, I actually had a quarterly review with my boss and it was very conveniently timed. We went into the room. He was someone I really looked up to, someone I loved, someone who shaped me as, as an employee and I wouldn't change my experiences for the world. I admired him and he's a great guy. But I remember feeling very, very nervous and a lot of anxiety about quitting because I felt like I was leaving what could be a very prosperous and secure career in finance. And we sat down in this meeting room and I said, do you mind if I start the conversation? And immediately my boss and his assistant, their ears pricked up and they went, uh, no, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. This wasn't in the script. <laughs> no problem at all. They're pushing a red button under the table, a panic button. 
<laughs> I said, I've booked a one-way ticket to Russia and I'm not coming back. And it was a Monday as well. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> it was on a Monday. Unprecedented. <laughs> it was on a Monday. And my boss said to me, Adam, is everything okay? Did something happen over the weekend? <laughs> and I said, I said, what, what do you mean? And he said, do you want to talk offline about this? I said, no, 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 no. What do you mean? He said, you booked a one-way ticket to Russia. Are you serious? I said, no, I've been planning this for months. I'm leaving. And they said, oh, okay. All right. Okay. Are you sure? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm going. And they said, well, all right then. Tell us, tell us about your trip. And I told them everything that I wanted to achieve, you know, what it is I knew maybe the next few months had in store for me. And they were so excited for me. And it was just like this whole weight, this pressure that I was experiencing for months beforehand had lifted off me. I was so scared about telling not just the business, but also this guy that I looked up to that had kind of taken me under his wing and I'd worked for for two and a half years. I was so worried because I felt like I was letting him down. And he was so excited for me. I remember thinking, I'm never going to get another job again. If, you know, if on my CV, there's just this chasm of time. Yeah, you know, I've got a bit of work experience and then there's this huge gap where I just fucking peace out and go to Russia. No one's ever going to employ me. What does that say about me? And he said, what are you talking about? Imagine if I've got another one of these jobs that I need to fill and I've got X amount of candidates who have all applied and they've done, you know, admin jobs or they've had a bit of experience in finance, in customer service, whatever, whatever. And then I've got someone who's travelled across Siberia in winter. Like... I'm going to hire you because that's fucking interesting. Especially if the occupation is snow ploughing. <laughs> Running away from bears. He's got experience. Adam, I think your experience is there and your boss's initial reaction to them is indicative of Travel's position as this revolutionary, evolutionary action that you can do that absolutely subverts people's expectations and in the normalcy of life. I think that what was surprising to your boss is that far from booking a vacation or planning this or having travel as this vague, nervous little concept in your mind, you'd made a bold decision to travel in the literal sense, to take an actual trip. And I think that as you experienced, the initial feeling that was evoked in your boss was one of surprise, disbelief, concern. He asked you, is everything okay? Did something happen at the weekend? Because breaking away from the norm is often perceived as mental illness. And I think that oftentimes what's really bizarre is resolutely sticking to normalcy and the warm blanket that it provides. Why not tear a small seam out of that warm blanket, peer through it with your mind and brain and see what's on the other side? Because what's on the other side of that cotton goose down filmed warm blanket of comfort is everything else that's outside of it so go and experience everything else that's outside of it and to do that i'm afraid you're gonna have to get on a plane 
<laughs> I love the way you finish that. But of course, perhaps the most prohibitive thing, if you're making all those decisions, you're saying, hey, I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to trade off security for a truly radical evolutionary experience. The most prohibitive thing for people is just pragmatic. It's finance, it's cost. How do I actually pay for this? A lot of people don't have any money. And that was the position we were in. We were not financially well off when we went traveling. So in the next episode, I think we should maybe deal with that. A few little tips and techniques. If you're not financially well off, how can you actually get started? Because me and you both had little plans in mind to propel us further than we knew our limited finances would allow. Really, I just had money for a flight and then a little bit extra for everything that I might need. I didn't have a lot of money. I certainly didn't have enough money to travel for any kind of long-term experiences. So I think in the next episode, we'll talk a little bit about our techniques for doing that. What do you think? Yeah, that sounds really good. And I think we can dive into what it takes also from an attitude perspective, because if you've got a little bit of money, you've got a work visa, there's a rough plan there for your first couple of months. And you're also open to doing a lot of things to keep yourself afloat. The options are endless. Absolutely. So if you're sold on the idea of travel, but you just want to know how can you do it, you've got to tune into Tripology next week. It's an absolute no brainer. But before that, head to our social media pages. It's at Tripology Podcast. There you'll find a plethora of images, pithy one-liners, and beautiful little stories all about travel. It's well worth a quality sit down as if you would with a, a beautiful book, an old tome, a Dickens novel, but instead a cellular device with one of our social media pages up there. It's going to be ever such a treat for you. At Tripology Podcast. If you have some profound thoughts whilst you're doing that, who will listen to them? Why not email us? Tripologypodcast at gmail.com. We'll listen to all of your thoughts, feelings, concerns, questions, queries, anecdotes about travel, and we'll respond. Also, we'll address them on future episodes of the podcast, won't we, Adam? Yes, send in your travel stories for fuck's sake. And you travel questions. Oh, God. I want to go to South Africa, but I'm ever so terrified of lions. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. I want to go to Asia, but I don't know how to use chopsticks. Ah, what a glorious thing it would be to sojourn to South America, but I don't know what hiking shoes to wear on my trip to Patagonia. All these questions and more will be addressed. But right now, I'm going to go to episode four. I'm going to go on my own little adventure there. Now, Adam, will you join me? I'd love to. Is there room for two? Let's go. We'll see you there. Bye. Bye.